Most people, if they have never meditated, uh, struggle to keep quiet for a full hour. And if you start the first time, you may want to try something like 20 minutes or better, maybe half an hour. Now, once you can uh, have a session of about half an hour, uh, then usually you can uh, make good progress. And if you manage every day half an hour or maybe at least five times a week half an hour, that is consistent enough that there can be uh, a long-term progress. But now if you really start not even 20 minutes, I would suggest it's more important to enjoy the meditation. It's better to sit 15 minutes and to really enjoy it than to sitting one hour and to really hate it. Because if you sit for one hour, you force yourself and you really hate it, most likely after some time you will stop. And meditation should be fun. So uh, if you compare it to school, meditation is more like the recess, the break, not so much like the, the lessons which you don't enjoy, but which you have to go. So I would suggest that not have a fun approach, because meditation can be some of the best fun. Actually, in the end, it can be the most satisfying and most uh, rapturous and blissful experiences that are available in the whole universe, quite frankly. Next one is a posture. Um, again, the cross-legged posture which you see with the Buddha statue and often even in the full lotus position. Our ones is based on an ancient Indian statue and that usually they have the in a full lotus. Sometimes you also see the Buddha statue in the half lotus position. But both tend to be difficult for people who grow up in a modern society. When people grow up in traditional society where one sits on the floor all the time, it's actually not difficult to sit like that. It's meant to be a really stable and at the same time comfy posture. Uh, for most people, that is not the case nowadays. So uh, if that is too much of a struggle, it's better to sit on a chair or to sit on a stool or something like that, rather than trying to sit cross-legged when you can't really do it. Uh, I started doing it uh, really kind of regularly meditating. Once I started living in the monastery, uh, waiting to ordain, it was about... 27, 28, still relatively young, and even so it took me a few years of daily stretching exercises, I mean, daily sitting and doing special exercises to really get into the posture at ease. If you don't have that uh, time to do it, then uh, sitting on a stool may be quite effective, and actually walking. Which one did you like better, the sitting or the walking? The walking, yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. Particularly in the young male, they often have a very strong, restless energy. When you think of the old Thai ladies in the Isan, they, they can sit all night. In fact, the monks often can't keep up. These old ladies will just sit like a walk for the one part all night sittings, and they're just sitting there. And the monks have to get up and do walking. So if you prefer, you can do walking meditation. 
the typical way of doing it is not so much this um, circumambulating, but the typical way is you know, walking for a stretch of maybe 15, 20 meters, and uh, they're just walking up and down on the same straight stretch of uh, walking path. And uh, I can highly recommend that particular young males, they often struggle. They're not very flexible. Often women seem to be more flexible in the hips compared to the uh, men or boys. And then the restless energy and with walking, that's much easier. And it's a perfectly valid meditation. And in some ways, I would say it's maybe the most Buddhist meditation. Of course, you know, the Buddha himself attained supreme awakening under the Bodhi tree in the cross-legged posture. But other monks attained full release, liberation while walking. And the Buddha would regularly cultivate walking meditation. In fact, there's still this kind of long shrine at the Mahabodhi temple in Bodhgaya the very location where the Buddha attained enlightenment. But a short time afterwards, he was actually in a walking basically all night and contemplating dependent origination. He did that while walking. Then he would sit down again seven days in one go and then he would walk again. And... Uh, there's also other traditions, in particular in India. When you're in India and you go to the Jain temples, it's often not so easy to recognize on first sight whether it's Buddhist or Jain because they have very similar figures who are also sitting cross-legged and meditating. So you can find the uh, sitting meditation in other traditions. But I'm actually not really aware of any other spiritual tradition other than the Buddha Dhamma, where walking meditation is cultivated as a deliberate technique to that extent. And already in the Buddha's time, they had specially built walking meditation path and specially built on a raised platform and specially built with a cover. And they even had a Chankamanasala, like a walking meditation hall that you can walk even in the cold and wind and rain. And in our monastery, the Kutis, all our five Kutis have actually a really nice walking meditation path. Timber. That's my favorite, actually. It's really nice. You can walk. It's a little bit easier on the knees when you walk barefoot. It's not so cold. Uh, it's not so dirty. It's really quiet on a timber walking meditation path walking. And even here for the two retreatants, did you use the two verandas? The ones the day visitors have left, and it's actually quite suitable for two retreatants, two ladies here in the Dhamma Hall. And, uh, you can both walk on the different sides, even at the same time. Uh, it's a really good opportunity. Could you focus? How long could you focus with your meditation? <laughs> Struggling. Eh? So what, what did you do for the full hour? 
Just enduring. Otton, ja, Ajahn Shah recommended that as well. Just patient endurance. And even like that, you learn a lot. One suggestion I had given is focusing on metta, in gladness and in safety. May all beings be happy and at ease. And just repeating that for one hour. Could you consistently, without interruption, repeat that little sentence for one hour? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's actually amazing. Why is that so difficult? It sounds like about the easiest thing in the world. You just have one little sentence. You can make it easier. You could have done just Buddha, 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 Buddha. And that is uh, recollecting the Buddha. If you find the sentence difficult to remember, you can do recollection of the Buddha. Many of the great Ajahns used that. Just repeating Buddha, Buddha, Buddha. But when people try to do that for one hour, it's, it's almost impossible to consistently think like that. And this is a great experience to learn that our mind is so much out of control. Most people think that they have control, they can think what they like. And it's quite a humbling experience to go through that and to notice how unruly the mind is. And then uh, noticing how important it is to give training to the mind. Training the mind is quite different from training the body. If you want to make the body really strong and fit, what do you do? Just like uh, resting all day, sitting in the couch, and is that how you get the body fit and strong? How do you make the body strong? Exercise, no running, gym. You have to move the body, make it fit. However, with the mind, it's a little bit the opposite. The mind runs on its own. It's quite fascinating. The body likes to be just at ease and relax. And it takes effort to get the body really moving. But the mind is the opposite. The mind wants to, likes to run around all the time. It's very difficult to ever break and stop this incessant process of thinking and imagining and images and fantasies and worries, emotions, feelings. And we can train the mind. What is really good for the mind is to be still. In fact, having the mind really still means jhana, samadhi. And that is an incredible regenerative, incredibly healthy and uh, really good for the mind. How did you go with the walking? Could you stay with the feeling of walking? And it tends to be easier and it's fairly direct and uh, quite strong. And uh, I can recommend that, no, just focusing on that. 
even throughout the whole body, once you get into the groove, uh, uh, sometimes people report and it feels almost like walking on clouds, it's so soft and different, and walking without having to get anywhere. <laughs> but usually we walk to get from A to B, and we're already thinking what we do when we're at B. But like here, just walking in a circle, or if you walk up and down on the same straight stretch of ground, it's obviously not the point to get anywhere. It's just no walking for walking, walking for the sake of walking. It's quite uh, beautiful not to have to get anywhere and to just walk and enjoy that here in the present moment. The meditation is going into the body, being aware of the body and being aware of the present moment. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, twenty, thirty minutes, great. It's still not easy to control my mind. You know, sometimes just it's all over the way. It's very bad, but at least I know how to bring it back. Still not stable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing is you know, that uh, meditation is not just when we are sitting quietly, but the Buddha has a very holistic approach, and. The English word meditation, the closest maybe is in Pali, uh, bhavana, the development, cultivation. And the way the Buddha defines bhavana, bhaveta bang, is a whole eightfold path. All eight path factors have to be developed. So throughout the day, when we arouse mindfulness, the being aware of what we are doing, knowing what we are saying, being conscious of what we are thinking. Now that is also bhavana. Now when we communicate, now when you shoot out an email, or a text message, or upload a little video to TikTok, this is all the communication. Samavata, wide communication, if we can develop that. Now the intentions, the thoughts in our mind, we can develop the right intention, right thought. And we try throughout the day, now that is actually a very comprehensive exercise, throughout the day we try to abandon thoughts of an essentiality, desire, ill will, harming, hurting, anger, Whenever these thoughts come up, we have to notice, oh, these are the bad thoughts. And then we have to make wide effort to develop good thoughts, like thoughts of letting go, thoughts of kindness and compassion and loving kindness. And this goes throughout the day. And you find if 80% of the time during the day you have rather thoughts of desire and passion and anger and irritation 
and very few good ones, and then you sit down and try to meditate, very difficult. On the other hand, if you manage that most of your thoughts are very wholesome, compassion, loving kindness, letting go throughout the day, your communication with others is very wholesome, friendly, polite, reasonable, connected with the Dhamma, encouraging others, uplifting them, and so on, then when you sit down, much easier to meditate. And the really important one is the precepts. Do you all know the five precepts? The first one is not to intentionally kill any living beings, including Mozis and Midgis. I think I had a Midgi while I was meditating. <laughs> Shoot him away and he came back. Some stature designer can just let him bite me. Because else if you shoot them away and they always come back till they finally get you. So you wouldn't kill intentionally even an ant or a mozzy, much less an animal or a human. Second, uh, not to steal, not to take what is not given. No shoplifting or things like that. The third is to be committed to one's spouse or partner. So once you're married and then someone else is more charming or looks more attractive, more handsome, tough luck, too late now, you're committed. You have to remain committed. Number four, there is truthfulness, not lying. So whatever we say, whatever we communicate, and nowadays communication is a, a lot not by speech, but uh, online, whether it's tweets or YouTube videos, whether you're updating your Insta profile or upload some photo, video, whatever. They should all be truthful. So much fake stuff out on the internet, and we shouldn't contribute to that. The last one, not to take alcohol or any other intoxicants, anything that causes carelessness, intoxication. It must be a tough one for teenagers nowadays. But it may also be popular because you're the only one who can still drive the car. These things are really important for your formal meditation, for your samadhi, because if you don't keep these five precepts, that has a real big impact on the mind. And if you really break them and then you try to meditate, it usually doesn't really work. Whereas if you keep them very pure, then you will find that when you sit down, you're, you're at ease, you have a clear conscience. They say it's easy to sleep well and with a clear conscience, but it's even more easy to meditate well. And the other one is punya, 
Good karma. The boon. Pin. Good karma. And we can't have too much. So when you sit down and you focus internally, what you kind of encounter is a little bit in your karmic balance sheet. And someone who has made lots of bad karma, very little good karma, and then they focus internally, it will be quite agitating. It's not nice what you encounter. The mind may be a little bit dark, unsettled, unhappy. On the other hand, a person who has made lots and lots of good karma and very little bad karma, when they sit down and they focus internally, they usually encounter brightness and happiness. The mind is bright, happy, joyful, at ease, relaxed, calm, tranquil, glad. Because good karma and happiness are synonyms, according to the Buddha. So one way of improving our meditation, uh, our samadhi meditation, when we are formally sitting or walking, is keeping the precepts and generating good karma through generosity and other acts of goodness, making the mind bright. If there's no other things we can share, Mavits with All Beings, page 33 on our chanting book. Now let's chant the verses of sharing with aspiration. Thank you.
Sampai jumpa 